0: Uh, we were able to get back indoors June, and I remember the first Sunday back, and uh, I was telling Pastor it was it was a little bit.
1: I've got your mic on. See if I've got it. It's it's turned on. Okay. I can, can you just? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, yeah. Just
0: yeah. Stay at yeah. That's fine. I. Um, it was a little awkward you know the first time we came back and uh when we first when COVID first started I thought man I'll be so glad when that first Sunday comes and it's going to be packed because people haven't been in church in 12 weeks or whatever and the choir's going to come out everybody's going to be crying it wasn't like that (laughs) it wasn't like that at all Uh, because people came and it's just awkward you know Mask or no mask, shake or no shake, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's different. But uh, man, there is no place like church. And I know you guys have been doing parking lot stuff. We did, we did, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, 10 weeks live stream. And finally, one, one day I just broke down in the middle of preaching a sermon. I said, I hate this. I hate this. It's funny. I had people say to me, Pastor, can I just come and sit in the auditorium? I just want to be. And I I told them, let me tell you, it's miserable being in there when no one's in there, right? And so, and then we did outdoors for three weeks, I think it was, uh, and had everybody bring their own lawn chair. And and we just had church on the parking lot. And uh, North Carolina in early June, it's hot, man, it gets hot. And so finally I said, hey, we're going in. And we've been in. Uh, since the early part of June Uh, and I I know one thing that I've learned is there is no substitute for being with your church family there just isn't and uh, God knew exactly what he was doing when he uh, told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together there's a reason for that and we need it and uh, it's been tough but I do commend you for being here tonight and uh, as Pastor said, don't worry about the kids. If they, uh, if they, if they get real loud, you might want to take them out and rock them to sleep. We found the bigger the rock, the quicker they go to sleep. So, um, but uh, no, if, if they get a little upset, that's fine. Uh, we're just so glad that you're here. And I appreciate uh, the Masons. We sure love them and thank God uh, for their friendship to us through the years. And uh, again, to you, you know, we've we've just we're all working our way through the confusion, really. And I've learned this, it, a mutual respect because everyone has different opinions uh, uh, about stuff. The first place that I went to preach uh, in the middle of the pandemic, I won't tell you where it was at, but it was in the church. And I got up and it was it was like a 150 seat auditorium with like 200 people in it. And uh, they it was like. COVID had never been invented. I mean, people were packed. They were hugging each other, shaking hands, passing the offering plate, singing from the hymnal, and everything. And I got up and I said, I said, I thought I was coming to a revival meeting. I didn't know it was a COVID party. But uh, the pastor didn't laugh any more than you did when I said that either. Um, But I'm glad you're here tonight. And, uh, you know, we're going to love each other through all this, right? And uh, just be patient with each other. And uh, we still have people who haven't uh, been able to come back to church. Uh, my mom's 80, and she has been in our church uh, since 1962, I think. Um, and whenever it was time for us to come back in, I, I, I did everything I was supposed to do. And I, and I said, if you're, if you're elderly, if you're older, uh, you probably shouldn't come. So I get a phone call. From my mama, are you telling me I can't come to church? I said, no, mama, I'm not telling you you can't. I said, I got to say that. You understand? I got to say that. And uh, you know what she said? Here's what she said. She said, Rick, I'm 80 years old. How much longer am I going to live, really? And she said, but one thing I decided, I'm going to live until I die. And she said, this life that we've been living is not much of a life. And she comes Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We're in revival. We just finished revival last night. She was there every night. And then my wife's dad is eighty, mid eighties, eighty six, I think. And he's not been able to come at all. And he has a lot of health issues. And so we just love and respect each other through all this, and uh, and and be patient with one another. I, I'm going to give you a very simple, simple thought tonight. Have you ever have you ever looked at your life? And thought to yourself, how did I get here? How did I get here? Uh, we've been married, and I'm so glad that my wife could uh, come with me, and I appreciate the pastor letting her come. But uh, we'll celebrate our 37th, am I right, anniversary next summer. And uh, five kids. You saw Caleb. He was here last year. And we have five kids and uh, eight grandkids. And let me just tell you, that's where it's at right there, those eight grandkids. Uh, we've been pastor of the same church for 32 years and, uh, God's been so good to us. And sometimes I look at my life and I, and I'll say, how did I, how did I get here? How did I get here? I think I found a secret. You look, let's read the, let's read the verses and then we'll chat a little bit and get into this and, and I'm going to be very good steward of your time look at uh, Matthew chapter 26 verse 36 then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and saith unto the disciples sit ye here while I go and pray yonder and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy then saith he unto them my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death, tarry ye here and watch with me. Now I want you to notice verse 39. Notice the first few words of this this verse. The Bible said, and he went a little farther. And I was reading that one day, and you know how passages of Scripture just seem to kind of jump out and grab you, and that's what happened as I was reading this, and I, and I, I came to the conclusion that that was it. That was how... I got to where I am. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And don't get me wrong, not every I, our lives are not charmed, and not everything goes the way that we think it ought to be, but we are where we are today as a married couple. I am where I am today as a child of God. Our church back in North Carolina is where it is because we just went a little farther. And I want to talk to you about that for a little bit tonight. Let's pray. We'll jump right into this and uh, preach to you just for a few minutes. Father, I pray you would help us. Thank you for these people, and uh, obviously there's some there's some anxiety. It, not necessarily in some, it may be an anxiety about being in a, a room with other people. There's some anxiety about it being the first service back after seven months of being apart. There's just uh, there's a lot of going on in our lives, and Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us not only on an individual level, to determine that we're going to just keep moving forward. But as a church, and even in this area of missions, we ask you to help us. And uh, we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Real simple thoughts. Number one, Jesus in this story went a little farther, although he had already gone a long way. Now, if we were, and I won't move around because I want to stay with the mic, but if we were to go over here against the wall by where Pastor is, and we were to say that was the beginning of Jesus' earthly life in ministry, we know that, uh, I often tell our people, uh, we don't celebrate the birth of Christ at Christmas because Jesus was never born. He always has, he always will be. We, rep- we, we celebrate his incarnation the day, the time that he came down to earth. But let's go back over there to Bethlehem and the manger and the shepherds and all that took place, and we'll celebrate that in just a couple of months. And if we were to go over here against this wall, and that were Calvary and that were the cross, Golgotha, that was the end of his earthly life. Why, when this happened in his life, he would have been way over there, just just right next to that wall. And if he were to look back over the last 33 and a half years, he could have said, man, I have come a long way. And he had. He had been through so much. As we think back on the life of Jesus, we think back to his virgin birth, and we think back to... When that earthly ministry began and the turning the water into wine and the Sermon on the Mount and and overcoming the temptation of Satan and healing lepers and calming waves and restoring sight to the blind and, and, and calling his disciples, being despised and rejected of men, being criticized and condemned. He has come a long, long way. But you know what? In Matthew chapter 26, the Bible said that when he had gone a long way, you know what he did? He went a little farther. You see, the simple honest truth tonight is this. We don't ever arrive. We don't ever arrive. I'm learning new things every single day of my life. I have had an education in the last seven and a half months. Man, I, 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 stuff like uh, uh, social distancing. I, I had no idea. What, what in the world? You know, you think back. Think back eight months. How our lives have changed since February and and uh, slow the spread, it's all a bunch of lies and uh, and all these different things. And man, we're learning. Hey, can I tell you something tonight? I don't know where you're at in your Christian life, but can I tell you what you need to do? You need to determine I'm going to go a little farther. We can look at this church and we can look back over the history of the Timberline Baptist Church and all the many things that God has done here on this corner. And we could rejoice in that and we could give God the glory. And well, we should, but you know what? We cannot tonight afford to look back over our history and rest on our laurels. But we need to look ahead and determine that although we've come a long way, we're going to go a little farther. A lot of this is new, right? And uh, the floor has been redone and the platform has been redone and, and it's beautiful. And we could stand here and we could look at it and we could ooh and ah and we ought to for about that long. And then we ought to say, okay, now how are we going to use this for the glory of God to help us to reach other people? When you think about your life, I, I think about missions. I think about what God has done in our church. and on, And I mean this. I give God the glory for it. But... 26 years ago, we didn't have a missions program at our church. We had never, we had never, we had never been involved in Faith Promise. I, where I went to college, I, that that was not a point of emphasis uh, for us. And but but I knew, you know, I started pastoring, and I think we had three missionaries that we supported. And I'll tell, I'll talk a little bit more about it a little bit later in the message. But we started doing Faith Promise mission and. Missions, And I thank God, I think today, I think we have 145 missionaries that we support. And this year will be somewhere over $200,000 that our people will give above their tithes and offerings. And, and our people, uh, when Caleb and Autumn decided to leave our staff and go on deputation, our people pledged $3,000 a month above what they were given to Faith Promise Missions. So we're given about $7,000 a month to missions in some, some shape or form. And we could stay here, and we could pat ourselves on the back, and we could applaud ourselves, and we could say, man, look at what God's done. Or we could say, you know what, I'm going to go a little farther. I don't know what you on an individual level do for missions here at Timberline, but can I challenge you that, man, when we started ours 25 years ago, and I never, I had never given to missions, I had never given to missions. And we had someone come in and preach on faith promise giving. And, and he said, you just, you just ask the Lord, just ask the Lord what he wants you to do on a weekly basis through your local church to get the gospel around the world. And, he, and, and I'll never forget, every night he would stand up at the invitation. He'd say, how many of you will pray every day between now and Sunday and you'll ask the Lord what he wants you to give? And I raised my hand and I prayed. Do you know what God had the audacity to do? He told me. Now, I realize I could run the risk of losing my reward for this, but I, I think it'll help you. I, I, every day I pray, God, what do you want me to do for missions? What do you want me to do through our program here at Fellowship Baptist Church for Missions on a weekly basis? And, and the Holy Spirit of God said, I want you to give $50 a week. And I said, uh, <clears throat> could you, I don't think I heard that. Could you, could you give me that one more time? And he said, you heard me the first time. And, and to God be the glory, my wife and I began to do that. And you know what we do? I'm just telling you what we do. I can't tell you what to do. God will tell you what to do. But every single year, you know what we decide in our, in our life? We're just going to go a little farther. A little farther. And this, this evening, I want to challenge you, as you look back over the last 12 years of your missions giving, don't be satisfied or complacent and feel like you've done enough. But, but say to God, God, would you stretch me? A little bit. Could we go a, a little farther? When he had already gone a long way, he went a little farther. Number two, he went a little farther, although he still had a long way to go. You said, now, now, come on, Brother Rick, you just said he had come a long way. Yeah, he had. From Bethlehem to Calvary, he'd come a long way. And now you're trying to tell me he's got a long way to go. You know, right, what he's got to go through Between Gethsemane and Calvary, you see. Sometimes when we say we got a long way to go, we're not talking about distance. Sometimes we're talking about what it is we're going to have to face and what it is we're going to have to deal with. As we think about our Savior in this passage, he was. I want you to notice with me. Look, if you would, at um, verse thirty-seven. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. He he wasn't just heavy, he was very heavy. And and his soul was not just sorrowful, it was exceeding sorrowful. He knows, he understands. And if we were to look at other passages, and we're not going to take time to go to a lot of different places, but we would find him saying, even here in verse 39, as he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, he said, God, if it be possible, let this cup We understand tonight. He was going to take our sin upon himself. And he didn't want to do that. I don't know about you, but there are certain things that, that I just don't enjoy. And, and I, one of them is going to the dentist. I hate going to the dentist. I just don't go, and I'm not kidding. I I hardly ever go to the dentist. I usually go when I have a problem. You say, well, you know, you need to go. I know, I should, but I hate it. I have flashbacks. I remember as a little kid going to the dentist, and man, back then, they didn't have a lot of stuff they have now, and I can remember sitting in that chair waiting to be the next person in the room, and they had the chair right by the door of the dentist's office. And I can hear that drill. I can hear it right now. You know what I'm talking about? And and, and then, you know, somebody would come out, and their jaws were all swollen, and the dentist would look down over his mask. Hey, he had something going on about that mask, man, a long time ago. And he'd look down over his mask, and he'd say, okay, Rick, you're next. And you go in the dentist's office, and... and uh, Man, they start stuffing that cotton all down in your jaws, and they touch that little hang-me-down thing back in the back of your throat. And, and, and then when it comes time for the, for the, the shot, have you ever noticed how they, 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 they pull it right across your face when they're doing You ever notice that? It looks like a 747 coming across there. And uh, they pull your jaw down, put that note and, and then they start drilling. And then he's in there up to his elbows, and then he has the audacity to ask you a question. Are you doing okay? Oh, I'm doing great. It's great. I love this. No, I hate going to the dentist. So I put it off. I went to the dermatologist about two or three years ago, and my wife had said, there's a spot on your back. You ought to go have it checked. I went in, and he got his big magnifying glass and his bright light, and he's got this little thing he puts on. You know, he's looking at it. And this is exactly what he said. He said, yep, it's cancer. (laughs) I mean, like, there was no big deal. And uh, my eyes got about this big. and, And here's what he said. You want to go ahead and get it taken care of today? My first thought was, no. No, I don't want to get it. And then I thought to myself, go ahead and put it off, Rick, like you do everything else. And dread it for three weeks. Reschedule the appointment 17 times. Just go ahead and do it. That's kind of where Jesus was. He had a long way to go. You may be here tonight and you may be looking at at your life as a christian and you may say brother finley i i man i am i've got so far to go what do i do you go a little farther that's what you do you know in our marriage in our family we have and we just we've had it's been a tough time this pandemic hasn't helped us and and we've struggled some we've got a long way to go what do we do you go a little farther as a church you know, in some ways, man, it's like, it's almost like we're starting over again. You know, I, I'm convinced that we've got people who'll never come back. And I hate to even think about that. We've got people who've gotten out of the habit of going to church, and I, I don't know that they'll, they'll break that. I'm, I, I'm afraid they're never going to come back. And, 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 you know, what? We're just, we've, I've just decided, hey, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. And I'm going to go a little farther. If you've come a long way, or if you have a long way to go, or hey, how about this? What if no one goes with you? Look with me, if you would, at verse 38. Then saith he unto them, Peter, James, and John, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Notice what he said to him. He said, tarry ye here. You, you know what I found to be true? I have found that much of what I have to do as a believer, I have to do it myself. Can I, can I ask you a question tonight? And I'm not poking at you. But it's been seven months since you've been in here and had church like this. Where are you at spiritually? Now I love Church. And I said a while ago, I've learned there's no substitute for it. And I love assembling, and I need church, and I find encouragement at church. But the honest truth is, my spiritual welfare is my personal responsibility. Personally. You see, far too many people blame their spiritual struggles on a church or a pastor or a spiritual leader. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. You say, well, I thought the Bible said in Galatians 6 that we are to bear one another's burdens. Yes, we are. Absolutely, we are. But read all the passage. And some of the passage says this every man must bear his own burden. You see, we could all look back over our lives at people who have failed us, and disappointed us. We could all look back at spiritual leaders who are no longer spiritual. We could all look back at, at, at people upon whom we were almost dependent who are no longer there for us. But what, what I've had to learn to do in my life is I've had to go a little farther, even if no one goes with me. So, tonight, can I ask you this question? What about it's a missions conference. What about you and missions? Not what your church does, and we can put the videos up, and those are awesome, and I enjoy them. I really appreciate it. That was a blessing. I had no idea Caleb and Autumn were gonna be up. But, but, but because they're saying thank you to Timberline Baptist Church, can I ask you on an individual level, what about you in missions? Not what pastor does or what you do as a corporate body, but what about you on an individual level? You know, I believe this. I believe Faith Promise Missions is for everyone. I believe it's for the children. Man, I've seen God do some things with, with even kids in our church who make faith promise commitments and start giving to missions. And it it comes alive when a little kid sees God do that. He went a little farther, although he had a long way to go. He went a little farther, although he'd already been a long way. He went a little farther, although no one went with him. And then the last thing, he went a little farther, although it seemed like he couldn't go any further. We read, verses 37 and 38, take your worst day ever, your worst day ever, and multiply it by a million, and it might give you some idea about what Jesus is going through in this passage. As a matter of fact, as we read this passage, we find in verse 38 a little phrase, Even unto death. Have you ever come to a place where you thought to yourself, I just can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. You ever come to a place where in your spiritual life, you say, well, I know the Bible says the just man falls seven times, but man, I've fallen like 700 times. Pastor, I think I'm just about done. What do you do when you come to that place? Let me tell you what you do. You go a little farther. Just go a little farther. If they had told us, if somehow we could have known in mid-March that it was going to be mid-October before you came back in this building, many of us would have said, we can't do that. But you know what? You just keep doing the right thing. You put one foot in front of the other. I don't know you and I don't know your burdens and no doubt there are people here tonight who are carrying things that I would not be able to carry. But you know what? You're here tonight. You know what you said when you walked in those doors? I'm going to go a little farther. I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know about next week. Hey, I don't even know about tomorrow night. But Pastor, tonight, I'm going to come. I'm going to try to do the right thing. And I'm gonna go a little farther. When it comes to missions, you know what we normally do? Normally, when it comes to missions, we have a tendency to do this. We look at our finances and we say, well, you know what? If I gave up a Starbucks a week, that would be five, six, seven, eight dollars. If I gave, I could I could I could throw that into the plate. And if I if I If I took my lunch one day a week, instead of buying it, I could throw ten bucks more into the plate. You know, sometimes God tells us to do things that make no sense to us whatsoever that we think we cannot do. It seems impossible. You say, what do I do? You go a little farther. You see, as I look back over my life, and I think about... How good God's been to me and how far we've come. And that's not a boastful statement. As I look at my life and I think about how far I have to go. And how inadequate I realize that I am. And as I look at my life and I realize how many people who at one time were helping me in my journey. And today they're not even on the same road. I can get pretty discouraged. Or I can say, you know what I'm going to do in the morning? When that alarm goes off and I want to pull the covers over my head because I don't want to face what today's going to bring. I'm going to shove my right leg out of the bed and get it on the floor and I'm going to shove my left leg out. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to go a little farther. Do you know what I found? That when I make that decision, I don't ever have to do it alone. It's it's the grace of God that allows us to do that. I grew up, my dad raced stock cars. I probably, I may have told this story here. And uh, that was not his occupation. It was his hobby. From the time I was six until I was 16, we literally spent every weekend during the spring, summer, and fall at the racetrack Every Saturday night, every Saturday night. He was real successful at it. We had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Sometimes we raced on Friday night. We raced every Saturday night. And literally, I can remember towing the car to church on Sunday morning, going to church and going to the track and racing on Sunday afternoon. We didn't always make it back for night church, but hey. Uh, and, and and every year at the local track, they had, they had what they called a wheelbarrow race. And what that was, it was for kids. And two kids... Uh, one would sit in the wheelbarrow and the other would push the wheelbarrow it was three eighths of a mile and they gave a hundred dollars a hundred dollars and this was like in 1975 a hundred dollars that was a lot of money come to think of it it's still a lot of money and so I told my brother I said hey let's let's enter that wheelbarrow race so Daddy would go up to the track sometimes during the week to practice, and I would throw a wheelbarrow in the back of the truck, and I'd go with him, and he'd go out to warm up and get some laps in, and when he came in to make adjustments on the car, I'd go out on the track, and I'd push that wheelbarrow around, because I was serious about that $100. bucks. i will never forget that night came, and I was probably 14, I guess, and, and that night came, they were going to have that race, and I'd already thought this thing through, you know it 's a high bank track, and I thought if I get out there first and get up high, I can come down the bank, and that 'll get me and 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 my plan was playing out to perfection i mean to perfection. my brother 's three years younger than I am, he would have been about eleven, I guess, and we go down into the first corner and and and, and, and i 'm feeling good you know and i 've done this've I've i 've run this track. And, and I, I, I told Ken, I said, hey, look back and see, where are they at? He said, oh, man, we're killing them. We're killing them. We come out of the second turn, and I said, check, where are we at? And he looked back, he said, oh, man, we're, we're killing them. But here's what I didn't know, minor detail, that you could switch drivers. So you could go halfway around the track, and the guy who was pushing would stop, and he would get in the wheelbarrow, and the guy who'd been riding would pick up the wheelbarrow. But we were not in a position to do that. Well, the guy who did that, I could hear him coming up behind me. And we're going into the third corner, and he goes by me like I'm backing up. We're about halfway through the third and fourth turn, and I can hear the people over in the main grandstand clapping. It's over. He's across the line. And there's one prize, winner take all. You know what I thought to myself? I thought, I I will never be this dumb again. I'll never do this again, I guarantee you. I'll not embarrass myself. I'll not put myself. As a matter of fact, I'm done. In my mind, I had determined I was going to come out of that fourth tor- turn, and I was just going to come down pit road, put that wheelbarrow in the back of the truck, and try to pretend that this never happened. But right before I made that turn, out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone running stride for stride. On the grass in the infield as I was coming out of that fourth turn, and it was my father. He's about 15 yards from me, and as I'm running, he's running, and he's saying, Come on, boy! Boy, don't you quit on me! You hear me? Don't you quit! I can't tell you what that did for me, but I finished. I was tired, I was embarrassed, I was humiliated. But Let me tell you why I finished. Not because I wanted to, but because my father wanted me to. Not because I was trying to bring honor to myself, because I was a loser, but I wanted to honor my father. I want to challenge you tonight, wherever you are, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, in your relationships, in your missions involvement, I want to challenge you tonight. Just go a little farther. Father, I pray you'd help us. Such a simple thought. It's so simple. And yet it is profound. And it is, it's, we call it growing in grace. Grace. It's not something that we just grit our teeth and make ourselves do. It's something that you do through us. And I pray tonight that you would help us. For those who are feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And spiritually, I think I'm okay. I'm in a, I'm in a good place. And, and this was a good year for us to, with missions involvement. And, and the marriage is good. God, pray you'd help every one of us who would testify that. To go a little further. For those who feel like they're a total failure, that they have so far to go, just help them go a little farther. For those who've been hurt and discouraged by others, may they realize that some of their greatest victories will be wrought in very lonely places with your help. Strengthen us and use us, we pray. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. All right, thank you, thank you very much, Brother Finley. And uh, let me have you stand just real quickly, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a couple closing comments here. I do want to remind you that uh, uh, every work that uh, we partner with in, in terms of missions, it's all because you give faithfully. And uh, we're not going to be taking up offerings as we normally have in the past, but we do have. Uh, you'll notice as you exit, we do have the offering boxes at both doors. Uh, I would encourage you to, to do what he said in regards to our own personal lives, but in also in regards to our giving. The Lord has been very gracious to us in these uh, uh, seven months now. Uh, we have seen our offerings probably drop a little bit. Our faith promise missions has probably dropped some, but not to the point where it's, it's caused uh, great concern or anything like that. God still helped us, and we haven't uh, not given uh, mission support. We've continued to support them. But one thing that I've asked, and uh, for those of you that are watching, I I want you to hear this as well, and that is uh, uh, what we're wanting to do, particularly with missions this year, is we would like to give a uh, significant increase for the month of December for all of our missionaries that we currently support. Some of them are in tough spots, and some of them have seen their their support levels uh, drop a little bit. And uh, some of them are in different parts of the world where they can't even get outside yet. So they're restricted greatly. So I'd like us to give a little bit more. And then also we do have a couple of missionaries that we're going to be taking on, Lord willing, by faith for additional support. And uh, one of my goals all along has been to do more each and every year, to go a little farther and continue to add to our missions program. And we've done that. And so thank you very much for your faithfulness in that regard. Um, I'm going to pray and we'll be dismissed, And uh, uh, but I, I just want you to pray and say, what would God have me to do? And uh, let's all just go a little further. Let's pray. Lord, would you bless now and, uh, and help us? We're thankful for what we've heard thus far. And God, I do pray that you would uh, meet with us now to, to, uh, on Friday and then again on Sunday. And Lord, bless all of these that have made the effort to come. Those that are watching at home, I pray you'd help them. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me say this. Uh, we're not live stream now, right? Where are we off, guys? Okay. Come on now. You got to go off when I tell you to go off, all right? Okay, when I say amen, that means we're off, okay? Come on. Um, you are welcome to leave slowly. But, uh...